Welcome to the Champions League Betting Blueprint, a podcast with pinnacle and info goal that gives you data-driven insights and the best odds online. Looking for value in the Champions League betting markets? You've come to the right place. It is non-stop soccer at the moment. We are here for the first episode of the Champions League Betting Blueprint for the season. I'm your host, Ben Cronin, and of course, here to help us run through the betting markets, as he always is, is Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. Hi, Ben. Yeah, really looking forward to this. I mean, the Champions League is the premier competition in Europe and the best play the best. And we've got some really tasty draws in the group stage as well to to, to get stuck into. So, um, yeah, let's get started. I mean, it's been podcast central we've been very busy week to week with the premier league and obviously we've got all the other european domestic campaigns to get on but as you said let's put our champions league hat on for now um and i guess on that note as well it's i'd be interested to know just before we get into the actual betting markets and stuff like that in terms of switching from the the domestic campaigns and stuff like that that we've we've covered before and and do our podcasts on and things like that when it comes to your analysis how are you kind of shifting focus and, and and looking at things through like a, a Champions League lens. Does it make a difference kind of in terms of ratings? I mean, I know there's probably more disparity in quality in the Champions League group stages than there is perhaps in other, um, in like the Premier League or Serie A. Obviously, there's not as many matches to work with in terms of the sample size and, and things like that. So how do you approach the analysis, maybe individually or from an info goal perspective? Yeah, it's, especially at this early stage, it can be quite difficult. And um, it's even more difficult if we talk about the Europa League with teams dropping in for the Champions League. But um, what we do for the Champions League, I mean, there's two different ways that you could potentially do it. One is to have, um, you know, a, a team's rating that is constant throughout every competition. And then when you take the league rating, you add a differential based on the league quality to uh, the champion, to produce a Champions League rating. We don't do that. What we do is completely different. We take... Um, each team has a separate league rating, domestic league rating, and a separate Euro- European competition rating. And that really just makes it a little bit more simpler uh, and a little bit easier for us to keep an eye on, on the ratings and make sure that all the percentages are, um, look pretty much in line with, with what we're expecting. So um, that that's the main way that we do it. And there's plenty of factors that go into that. Obviously, we look at the, the process from um, previous European competitions based on expected goals and get an average and um, and obviously for the for the new competition uh, or new teams in the competition, um, we take into account pre- previous um, previous teams and how they d- uh, managed to play in the Champions League. So I think that we've got I think Ferenc Vossi, who, who are one of the mo- newer teams in the Champions League that probably quite a few people won't have heard of, including myself. They're from Hungary, so um, what we'll have done is gone back to look at how previous teams from Hungary did in the Champions League group stage and uh, come up with a rating appropriate for, for how we expect them to get on this season. And, and effectively, what we do is we rate the teams from, um, you know, I think it's 32 teams in the Champions League. We rate the teams from 1 to 32 um, based on underlying numbers and, and how we expect them to get on. Uh, and then produce an individual rating, which obviously goes into into our uh, match probabilities and group probabilities. I love how you jumped straight in there, Jake. We're chatting offline about one of the teams that we didn't really recognise, Ferenc Vossi, how to pronounce it. And there you go, you smashed it straight away. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of another debutant in there, um, but they're the only ones that sprung to mind just because we were talking about them. 
All right, well, let's let's get on to the, the outright markets. I mean, it's obviously the most logical place to start with. And, and then after that, we can probably dive into the groups as well. Pinnacle's got some, some really interesting markets up in the groups. But in terms of the team to actually win the competition outright, um, the current favourites at Pinnacle are, are Bayern Munich and Manchester City, both tied on 5.02. Uh, closely followed by Liverpool, 6.02. I mean, those three are, you have to say, they are kind of maybe, maybe you could put PSG and stuff like that in there, but I think those three are kind of a cut above the rest and the the odds clearly reflect that. So out of the the very top of the market, is there one of those three that you think is um, undervalued or, or potentially overestimated in terms of their chances this season? Yeah, I find it it's quite an interesting uh, market in particular at this stage because it's very, very um, fresh and new. We make Bayern Munich favourites. Um, we've given them a 15.9% chance of, of winning the Champions League. Um, next, second favourites is Liverpool at 14%. So that would perhaps suggest that Liverpool are a bit of a value play uh, based on the prices because Manchester City, as you mentioned, are, are joint favourites and we make Liverpool second favourites ahead of Manchester City. So uh, potentially Manchester City are a little bit too short um, you know, you've got Bayern Munich who won the Champions League last season, Liverpool who won the Champions League the season before. They, those two teams in particular have got real pedigree in this competition in terms of, um, you know, having the know-how to go all the way. Manchester City, they're still trying to break that, um, you know, that ceiling and, and win a first Champions League. Still massive concerns about them defensively. I know they've, they've just spent a lot of money on Ruben Diaz to come in and play alongside Emerit Laporte. But, um, you know, whether that will make too much of a difference given the style of play um, remains to be seen. And, you know, one of the, I know it's early in the season, we've got a small sample size to deal with, but one of the things that is quite worrying um, from Manchester City perspective is the fact that when Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus are unavailable, they really are looking a little bit toothless in, in attack. I know that they, they scored twice against Leicester and once against Leeds, but they created just one big chance across those two matches, which is very, very unlike Manchester City. And, um, yeah, that's something just to be wary of moving forward. Obviously, um, you know, I wonder if the the Aston Villa seven Liverpool two result had anything to do with Liverpool being slightly longer. Um, I should hope not, because again, that was just a. a I imagine that's just just a one off. But yeah, out of the two English teams there, I think that Liverpool are in a better place to to win the t- uh, the Champions League than Manchester City. But I think that Bayern Munich. Are, deserve favourites really um, you know that they, they were excellent last season their process in the Champions League was phenomenal they averaged 3.3 expected goals for per game and allowed just 0.9 expected goals against per game um, you know there isn't too much else you can say they won every single game uh, I think they played 11 last season and, and they won every single match scored an absolute hatful of goals um, and you know remember obviously the big ones the 8-2 win over um, Barcelona, the 7-2 seven, seven, win over Spurs. Um, they obviously had a 7-1 aggregate win over Chelsea as well. So they really were um, head and shoulders better than everyone else in the competition. And, you know, you could arguably say that they, they've strengthened this this summer as well, bringing in Leroy Sane, another pacey wide man to look, keep your eye on. Um, obviously, Serge Gnabry on the other side. Uh, Douglas Costa's back in as well to give them a bit of strength after even Perisic um, was... Recalled back from his loan uh, into Milan. Uh, obviously, Thiago is a bit of a loss for them, but um, you know they've, they've got Kimmich can can slot back in there. Obviously, he played the the quite a few of the knockout games at right back because Benjamin Pavard was injured. So um, yeah, the, the squad building has been pretty steady over the summer for Bayern Munich, and, and I think that they're still in a really good place to maybe go on and, and win another treble or quadruple or quintuple or however many trophies they've won this season. Yeah, I mean you have to say Bayern Munich were incredibly impressive last season. Um, 
one of the the things I'd kind of like to know what your kind of thoughts on this are is we often have, I mean, it seems to get to um, quarterfinals, semifinal stage, and you have the the obligatory tweet from these social media accounts that have the flag emojis and this team's dominating European football because they got three out of four semifinalists or whatever it might be. And I think it was France's turn last year. Um, do you think that the English Premier League is, is obviously so competitive or a lot more competitive compared to the likes of Germany and France. Now, can it be seen as an advantage that it's that competitive and kind of really kind of keeps you ticking over? Or could it potentially be seen as a negative in that these teams constantly have to play at full strength? The the, the depth of their squad really has to be used across the competitions, whereas somebody like a, a Bayern Munich or a PSG can maybe keep those players fresh for the European competitions and still kind of stand a good chance of winning games in their in their domestic leagues. What do you think on that? Um, I think it works both ways. I think there's advantages both ways. I think that, that having a competitive league means that you're at the top of your game every single week. Whereas, you know, for example, PSG are probably the, they're probably the best example, um, given the fact that how easily they win the league league earned title every season. Sometimes you can just naturally just mentally switch off um, and, and think that things are going to be as easy as they are uh, domestically. Um, we've seen PSG fall foul of that um, in many years gone by. Uh, you think about the, the serious meltdowns that they've had against Manchester United, obviously most recently, where they were um, they won the first leg two nil, uh, lost the second leg three one at, at the Parc de Prince. Um, obviously, the famous game at, at the Camp Nou as well, where they were uh, I think they four nil up after the first leg and, and lost the second leg six one. So um, yeah, I think there are arguments to. to to say that it works either way and that there are benefits. But I do think that last season was obviously completely different in the Champions League. Um, and I think that the French teams in particular, the likes of PSG and Lyon, really did benefit from the fact that their season was curtailed and, and they really didn't play any football whatsoever from March onwards. So it gave them the opportunity to get players back fit. It gave them the opportunity to have a full pre-season um, and you could also say the same about the the German sides, Bayern Munich and Leipzig, who obviously made up the the, the semi-finals. Um, you know they they've got their season underway, you know about three four weeks before the rest of Europe, uh, and it meant that they finished three or four weeks before the rest of Europe. So their players were properly rested and, and got to have a, a fresh, a brand new pre-season ahead of the Champions League, um, you know knockout stages. So I do think that those effects definitely um, you know had something to do with the fact that those. Four teams in particular made the semi-finals. I mean, I think Bayern Munich would have made the semi-finals anyway, given the fact that um, you know they, they were by far and away the strongest team in, in the competition. But the likes of Lyon, for example, they got to play um, you know a, a Juventus team who were pushed all the way in Serie A for the uh, for the league title. Um, it was a Juventus team that obviously in Italy in particular their their season finished a lot later than the rest of Europe. Um, and Lyon obviously got to play Manchester City as well, who. Uh, who had you know quite a few taxing games post break in the Premier League, so I do think that 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 helped those sorts of teams quite a lot in particular. I mean, even Atalanta, they were coming into the to the, their tie with PSG. If it would have been played at a normal date, they would have been. Um, I think anyway, they would have probably progressed past PSG because I think that Atalanta were um, are, are a very dangerous team and, and more than capable of causing PSG all sorts of problems. They were missing one of their better players as well, Josip Ilicic, who who decided to. Uh, to not travel um, to, to 
um, play in, in, in the knockout round. So I do think that all those sorts of things in what, what has been a weird season and continues to be a weird uh, and strange all around the world, I think that those in particular affected that season. Um, obviously, the previous season when Liverpool won the, won the Champions League, um, I think I don't think there was too much domination there. But the, the season before was it was much more England centric, wasn't it? When you had um, Liverpool and, and Spurs meeting in the final, so uh, I think these these two things things do happen in cycles. Obviously, you think back to uh, when Barcelona and Real Madrid were dominating Europe for three, five, six years, from around twenty thirteen to. 2018 um but you know i think those two teams in particular are, are on the decline i think that it is the age now of, of the likes of liverpool Bayern munich potentially psg getting there again because they've strengthened in the, in the transfer window but yeah I, i'm not seeing a, a a nation in particular that's going to be dominant because of any sort of um you know difficulty in domestic schedules right well, let's get back to the outright markets and there's a, a couple of teams that you actually just mentioned there that I mean they tend to form the the usual batch of not quite just the favorites a little bit outside of that and that's PSG Real Madrid Juventus I say normally in that Barcelona probably aren't but because they're normally featured pretty prominently in the betting but those four teams are then banded together around the kind of 10 to 1 15 to 1 mark is there is there anyone out of that kind of little second batch of teams that you're maybe looking towards as a as a value bet for the outright winner yeah, it's um, it is it is really interesting this little second mini pack of teams that you've got on the uh, on the market. Obviously, some really big names in there: Real Madrid, Barcelona, in particular, Juventus. Um, but yeah, for me, PSG out of those four, they look the most likely to replicate similar to what they did last season. Um, you know, they've kept hold of Neymar and Mbappe. Um, you know, they've got Mario Cardi, who's going to be playing a more central role. This time around, Di Maria is still there. They've, they've brought in a few more defensive reinforcements with the likes of uh, Danilo from Porto, who's a player, a holding midfield player. So obviously, Idrissa Gay was missing for the Champions League knockout run, and he was a bit of a, uh, a big miss for them. But yeah, I, I think the, the model in particular has got a really, really small amount of value in, in backing PSG. This market is priced up very tightly. We've given them a 7.6% chance. Um, of, of winning the Champions League, which is around 13.02. So the 13.05 available is is marginal value, if if, if that. Um, and, and unfortunately, that is the case with this uh, with this early market. Is is there is very little value available, uh, especially with the teams that are at the top of the market, just because they're so uh, highly fancied by the bookmakers to to actually qualify from the groups. Whereas obviously, you get to the bigger prices, and you know they've they've got a tougher task of getting out of the group. Um, Real Madrid are, are still going through a bit of a transition phase. Obviously, they, they sold a lot of players this summer to get um, you know wages off the off the books. Guy likes of Gareth Bale going out on loan, Sergio Reguilón, um, a couple of others. Oscar Rodriguez has gone uh, went to Sevilla. He was on loan previously. So they've had a bit of a clear out. Their, their squad is still very young, um, and you know if you remember how comfortably Manchester City beat them over two legs, I, I don't think that they've improved at all from that. Um, that level of performance. Barcelona, new manager, Lionel Messi has stayed. That's a huge positive for them. But um, you know, again, they're still they're they're in the middle of a of a revamp now with new players needed to come in and freshen that side up. Um, and you know, I think the main worry for me with Barcelona is a lack of a number nine. I know they've got Antoine Griezmann there, but Ronald Koeman seems to like to play him off the right hand side and, and play Lionel Messi as a false nine. And I don't quite think that that's going to work against Europe's elite. 
Juventus, another team with a with a new manager. They got, they got Martin Braithwaite. True, yeah, he's the new number nine. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that. Uh, all the you know the, the historic greats won the number nine at Barcelona, and Martin Braithwaite, Middlesbrough flop, is now um, <laughs> on that list. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be firing them to a Champions League title. Um, but yeah, he, he, he I guess he's an, he's an option. I don't think he's going to make too much of an impact in the Barcelona team, like. But um, yeah, he, he's he's there. Let's just leave it at that. Juventus new manager as well, obviously Andrea Pirlo. He's, he's that Juventus and Barca, I think, were in a similar position in the sense that they got aging squads that needed revamping and, and turning over. And, and Juve, I think, of uh, a little bit further down that pro- process than Barcelona, given the, the the sort of business that they've done in the transfer window. Brought some really exciting players in. Obviously, there's um, Kulusevski, who was on loan at, at Parma last season. He's come into the fold. He looks really exciting. Uh, they've signed Federico Chiesa from Fiorentina. Um, again, very exciting player. Really tricky. I remember watching him for Italy against England and uh, it really did catch the eye. So I think Juventus are in a better position than Barcelona. And obviously, they still have Cristiano Ronaldo, who is uh, Mr. Champions League. So you can never write them off. Um, I do think they're in a better position this season as well than last season under Maurizio Sarri, because for whatever reason, that experiment just wasn't working and, and really didn't work. So, um, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're called the old lady. They're not going to be as slow um, as, as old ladies this season. They're going to be a little bit quicker. Um, just because of the, the you know the fresh legs that have been pumped into the squad, Winston McKenney's coming, uh, holding midfielder, who's again a much more uh, mobile player to what they've played with in recent years. So they'll be an interesting watch. But yeah, out of those four teams, PSG for me are, are definitely the more likely to go further in the competition. And, and like I said, marginal value on backing Thomas Tuchel's team. Right, and then we've got another kind of batch of teams, if you will, at the 20 to, to 30 to 1 mark. Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, Chelsea, Dortmund. A couple of interesting ones. I mean, me personally, Inter Milan look look maybe interesting. I know you've already shouted them out as well. Atalanta, they're a team that I think you like personally. I know the InfoGoal model likes them. Is there is there anyone out of those kind of six teams or, or maybe even a bigger price that, that you think could be a tempter in the market and maybe even worth like a, a hedge later down the line or something like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a team that could be worth a hedge is definitely Sevilla. Uh, 51.2 they are on the market at the moment. Um, we've got that, uh, I think we've got them around 50 to 1 uh, or 50.0. So there, there is a small bit of value in back in Sevilla. And I think that they could be, like you said, one to, to hedge back. Um, they've got a very you know group that they should really get out of, Ren and Krasnodar. So getting to the last 16 stage would, you know, immediately shorten those odds depending on who they draw in the next round but um yeah they, they to me look a little bit too big obviously they've got <laughs> european pedigree um europe you know europa league winners about 27 times um they know how to get things done in knockout competitions and, and i think that is obviously key when you get to that stage uh and the squad turnover as well they 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 usually raided are severe they usually lose all their best assets this season they've actually kept hold of pretty much everyone and if not strengthened their their squad so um yeah they, they look really well placed to have a um you know a good tilt at things and and like you said potentially shortening price as the as the rounds go on and and maybe um lay some back here. um uh, yeah i was the same as you with inter milan i thought that i think that they're a little bit too big <clears throat> 26.1 i think you know, that to me anyway, there isn't too much difference between the quality of Inter Milan and Juventus. So, um, you know, you've got double the price pretty much. Antonio Conte's 
pretty good um, in uh, organising a team. Plays a rigid formation. Um, he strengthened his squad again in the summer. He's brought in quite a few experienced heads as well. Um, you know, Arturo Vidal's come to sort of solidify that midfield. Um, you know, in Romelu Lukaku, they've got a, f- a free scorer in goal scorer. Um, Latura Martinez links up re- very well with him. They've signed Akraf Hakimi, who I think is a fantastic addition at right wing back. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like the price at 26.1. Just checking what the Infocom model's got them at. We've got them at 3.9% um, chance of winning the Champions League, which odds of around 25.6. So small value there at Inter Milan. And, you know, the, the Man United and Chelsea's of the world, um, they're going to have to improve greatly if they're to go anywhere close to winning this competition. Um, yeah, I, th- I see both of those sides as inferior to the likes of Atletico, um, Atalanta. Probably on a level, level playing field with Dortmund. Um, just the, the development that's needed at all, all three of those clubs, I think, um, in terms of improving as the season goes on, is, is going to have to be really, really huge for, for them to have any chance of going far in the competition. Right, well, let's um, let's get on to the groups and, and kind of analyse those one by one. I think we know, given what we just said, who the, the strongest team should obviously be in the competition. But there's there's always some shock results, some, some tough groups and... Um, Quite early on, things happened that we didn't quite anticipate. But if we take a closer look at the groups, we can maybe look for for more value in the betting market. Um, we'll start off with Group A. Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Lokomotiv Moscow and Salzburg. Bayern are a 1.431 to win the group. 1.04 to advance. So I think that's pretty pretty much a sure thing for them. Um, Atletico look like they're nailed on for second place as well at 1.265 to advance. Um, I think the interesting one here, maybe it's it's a, it's a kind of a, a really split group in terms of the two really good teams and the two lesser teams. But the interesting one for me is I think Bayern Munich, I mean, two good performances against Atletico and they could be on for maximum points here. They got a, an individual total of 13.5 um, the under is actually the favourite at the moment. It's given a 55% chance that they go under 13.5 points, according to the odds. What do you think for this group? Yeah, I think that what you just said there in terms of a bet, the over 13.5 points for sure really does stand out to me. Um, you know, we make Bayern Munich really strong favourites to win the win the group. Uh, I think you said there that they're about 1.4 um to win the group 1.43 we make them 1.35 to win the group so uh, in themselves back in buying to win group a is is a value bet um you know the, the points there 13 and a half you know what's that four wins and two draws uh if you remember their group last season there they had spurs um olympiacos and red star and they absolutely wiped the floor with the the, the two lesser teams in particular red star and olympiacos I think Salzburg are marginally better than, than those two. Um, Locomotive are probably at, at the same level, but I fully expect Bayern Munich to really beat both of those teams comfortably twice. Um, so that's 12 points. And then all they need is one win against Atletico to pass that 13.5 point mark. And I think that, um, you know, given that we're probably expecting Atletico Madrid to, to be in second place and, and maybe coming down to that final game, you might be on 13 points by Munich. 10 points Atletico Madrid, uh, winner takes all for top spot, then you would have to fancy Bayern Munich to to get a win. Um, obviously, it was something we were speaking out off air, the, the permutations in terms of calculating these points. But um, yeah, I, I would not be at all surprised to see Bayern Munich win six out of six. 
Um, but like I said at the start, you know, four wins and two draws. If they drew twice with Atletico, we know that Atletico are more than capable of setting up in a deep block and um, playing for a nil-nil. Even, even that would do the job in terms of this point. So, yeah, it's an outsider, the overs, um, 13.5 at 1.99. But that's definitely a value price that, that I, I do think is worth taking. And, and the other one I looked at was Locomotive Moscow and, and the under 3.5 at 2.31. Um, they were in a group last season with, I have to jog my memory, I'm pretty sure they were in with Juventus and Atletico Madrid last season. Um, and I think they yeah, they, they picked up just three points last season. They were in with Juve, Atletico and Bayer Leverkusen and they were absolutely pummeled game to game. Um, I think the only game that they actually won was against Bayer Leverkusen at home. Uh, I think Salzburg are around a similar level to Bayer Leverkusen. Um, obviously lost some key players, you think Erling Haaland, Minamino, um, He Chan, who's gone to Leipzig. But they're still a very good team and they're a very well-run club. So I expect them to be competitive here. Um, they obviously pushed Liverpool all the way last season in their group. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see Lokomotiv Moscow picking up three and a half points. Um, yeah, one win maybe at home game against Salzburg or a couple of draws against Atletico and Salzburg. But yeah, under three and a half is, is the outsider at 2.31. And that really does make quite a lot of appeal to me actually um, just because I think that we well the Infocom model thinks that they're so inferior in this group to all three teams so um, wouldn't be a surprise to see them lose all six really um, so yeah under three and a half at 2.31 is, is definitely one that, that has piqued my interest yeah I think it's those ones you mentioned there about what happens with the permutations and if there's an upset in Bayern Munich's first game or a locomotive Moscow go and win their first game all of a sudden the what looked like a great bet of over 13.5 or, or under three points or whatever it might be soon th- things soon suddenly change and I think a shout out to the traders as well at Pinnacle because they they're the ones that have to think about all those kind of things that can happen game to game before one game is even replayed so shout out to them for doing a great job and, and giving us some markets to actually talk about um we'll go on to group B because we've got Borussia Mönchengladbach Inter Milan Real Madrid and Shakhtar Donetsk um Another one where we've got two clear favourites, Inter Milan and Real Madrid. And this is where it gets a bit strange for me because Pinnacle's got Real Madrid at 1.666 to win the group, um, which is under just under a 60% chance. Into there, who you shouted out as a, a potential outsider in with the chance, they're given 28% chance of finishing top in the group. Um, really kind of interesting one to work out there for betters, I think. Another one as well that, that jumps out to me, just looking at the prices, is the... Um, Munch and Gladbach total of 6.5 points you can get 1.714 for over or 2.15 for the under um, this one for me I think this is a really good group and, and probably one to, to keep an eye on whether you do or don't have a bet is there any bets here that, that jump out to you? Quite a few actually yeah I see this as a very competitive group I mean Shakhtar um, they got all the way to the Europa League semi-finals last season I think they were massively helped by the fact that the um, that the competition finished in whatever month it was, July. Um, because what usually happens with Shakhtar is that they have a really long winter break. So by the time that the round of 16 or round of 32 Champions League or Europa League actually gets back underway, they're still quite undercooked because they've not finished their mid-pre-season. Um, so they benefited greatly from um, the, you know, the, from the Champions League, Europa League being pushed because it gave them chance to actually finish their domestic season, and 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 I think they were playing alongside at one point, so they were still, um, you know, bang in the middle of, of peak fitness. I don't expect them to be as competitive this time around. Um, 
I think if you remember back to last season, Shakhtar were in a group with Atalanta and Manchester City. Atalanta lost their first three matches in that group and then had to go to Shakhtar and win to qualify. Um, and they won 3-0 at Shakhtar, which is obviously quite a difficult thing to do. But I think that just shows you that Shakhtar perhaps aren't quite as good um, as the elite teams at this level and they, they are Europa League standard. And I think that that will prove the case again in this group because Gladbach, Inter and Real Madrid are all, in my opinion, very, very strong teams. Um, one of the things that I found interesting looking at this group and comparing to the market is uh, is the fact that, you know, you mentioned it there, Real Madrid are at 1.666. The Infogol model actually has the odds against to win the group. So we've got it much tighter than what the market is suggesting. And uh, I think part of that is down to the fact that we are rating Borussia Mönchengladbach um, a lot higher than what the market is, is at the moment. So we're giving them nearly a 50% chance of qualifying our, our Borussia Mönchengladbach. And you can back them at 2.85 to qualify um, and advance from the group. So we're, we think that Gladbach are slightly better than what the market is suggesting. And part of that is down to the fact that they really impressed in the Bundesliga last season. Obviously, um, I think they finished fourth in the end, but they ranked third in our expected goals table, actually above Dortmund. So um, when we were doing their ratings, we didn't put them exactly the same, but we, we had Gladbach quite, you know, not too far away from uh, from Borussia Dortmund in terms of their European rating. And, and the fact that they haven't lost any key players as well, you've got Breel Mbolo still there, Alassane Player. Um, they, you know, that for me bodes well um, for their little European journey and, and, and adventure. So there is value in backing Gladbach to advance. And in terms of winning the group, um, as I've said, we think Real Madrid are too short. The actual the value from it is massively with Inter Milan. Um, we're giving them a 35% chance um, of, of winning group, group B, which is around odds of 2.86. So still second favourites, but you compare that to the price of 3.5 that you can get on Pinnacle. Uh, and that, you know, Inter Milan to win the group is a huge value bet. Something I can definitely get on board with. As I've said, I think that they're much more developed as a team than, than Real Madrid. Real Madrid are still very raw. Um, obviously, they've, they've got a very settled back line and goalkeeper. But the rest of the team, in particular the attacking unit, is is very um, young and flexible and, and not very settled. It changes from game to game. And I do think that Inter Milan can cause Real Madrid some serious problems. Um, I think Real Madrid... Finished second in the group last season to, to PSG. I don't think Inter Milan are at PSG's level, but I don't think they're too far away. Um, and if you remember back to last season, Real Madrid were um, culpable for a couple of dodgy draws as well against uh, Galatasaray and Club Bruges. So they are more than capable of going to Germany, for example, or going to Ukraine and dropping points. So I do think the Inter, Inter Milan to win the group is um, is, is a really strong play. Um if you don't want to back Inter Milan to win the group, then Inter Milan to pick up over eight and a half points, um, I think is is a, a really good backup bet at one point eight one. You know, only need three wins. Um, last season they were in the the group of death with Dortmund, Barcelona, um, and ultimately they didn't qualify. But they were, in my opinion, they're by far and away a better team this time around with the signings that they've made. Um, and not they only need three wins. I think they'll beat Shakhtar twice. I think they'll beat Gladbach at least once, and I've, they've got a good chance of beating Real Madrid at least once. So that'd be twelve points, and, and you know, cruising. But um, yeah, I, I think that they've been underestimated. I think all three three teams really have been underestimated, with Real Madrid being overestimated in Group B. Yeah, I was going to say people listening to this probably think it's absolute madness to say it, but looking at this group, and it might be Zidane and Real Madrid and the history that they've got recently in the competition, but. 
Real Madrid not to advance from Group B, 6.22. I think you can certainly find a lot worse bets than that in the, the competition at these early stages. For sure, yeah. Um, I think that they do deserve a little bit of respect for what they did at the back end of last season in terms of winning the La Liga, uh, La Liga title. But I don't think it's a very strong La Liga at the moment. So I think that that can perhaps be, again, overestimated as to how big an achievement that was. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, you saw them against Manchester City and just how bad they were in terms of um, getting dominant. Like The two-leg XG for that game was uh, 5.1 to 2.0 in Manchester City's favour. So it wasn't even close in terms of um, the quality of those teams. And I think that Real Madrid are much more of the standard of, of Inter Milan um, and Gladbach than they are to the likes of Manchester City, Bayern Munich, etc. Right, well, let's get on to Group C. We've got Manchester City, Olympiacos, Marseille and Porto. Um, I mean, this is the, the shortest prize for a group winner out of the lot by, by quite some way. Manchester City are 1.133, around 85% chance of winning this group. And I think the traders have worked that one out and just kind of thought, I'm not really going to bother with the rest of the group. Um it's hard to see where the challenge comes from in fairness, but but what that does mean is I think the battle for second is probably going to be a really interesting one. Um, just looking at the odds now, I mean, it's it looks to be very close between Porto and Olympiacos according to the odds. Porto are 1.787 to advance, Olympiacos 2.66. Um, and you can also get in there if you want Olympia, uh, if you want Marseille, their points total is at 6.5, which could probably, I mean, over that in a group like this, you are probably looking at qualification. Um, I can't see there's value in Manchester City here, but looking at this group, what do you make of it? Well, there is actually value in Manchester City according to the model. Um, We're giving them a... uh, Oh, sorry, no, I've calculated that wrong. I'm looking at to qualify. No, there isn't any value in Manchester City at that price to to win the group, no. Way too short. Um, But yeah, you need to thank your traders because they've done you with the Olympiacos, Olympic Marseille, haven't they there? Um, yeah, this is a you know it's a dream draw for Manchester City. They couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, they always seem to get these draws as well, don't they? Where they can just sort of cruise through. Um, yeah, the, Manchester City by far and away the best team in this group. Um, Olympiacos is a tough place to go, but yeah, I think it's going to be coming down to uh, Porto Marseille for second spot. Um, we we make Porto nearly even money to qualify, so there isn't any value in actually backing them to to do so. Um, Marseille at around 29%, so there isn't too much value in backing them either. Um, we, we actually rated Marseille and Olympiacos very similar uh, in terms of percentage chance of qualifying. We give Olympiacos a 26.4% chance and Marseille a 29.1% chance. And part of that is down to the fact that um, you know Marseille, they finished second in Ligue 1 last season, but they were massively flattered in doing so. I think they were um, sixth or fifth in the XG table when the season was finished. Um, after about 28 matches. So, um, you know, they, they were that position flattered them particularly. And what, what we've seen so far this season is is that sort of poor process, which had them fifth in, in Liga and expected goals table, has carried on into this season. And, and I think they're six games in now in France and, and they're around mid-table, which is a fairer reflection of their performances to date. So they look like they're regressing to, to the mean of what we, we expect them to be under Andre Villas-Boas. So we're not fancying their chances at all of getting out of this group. And Porto, who ran away with the um, Portuguese league title last season, they were really impressive domestically. 1.7 expected goals for per game, 0.6 expected goals against per game. Um, really 
well, I think they came on strong late on. Benfica faltered, but um, you know they they finished the season extremely well. They lost a couple of key players, obviously, um, to Wolves, but they've they've strengthened as well. They brought in a couple of decent loan signings. Um, obviously, Felipe Anderson from your side, West Ham, um, who is now going to be playing Champions League football. Uh, but yeah, looking at this this uh, group in particular, there isn't there isn't too much in terms of value. But I do think that looking at the the points total on. Um, on Porto over eight point five at two point zero two could look uh, does look a little bit interesting given the fact that we make them um, not so much clear second favourites but um, considerable second favourites ahead of Marseille and Olympiacos. We wouldn't be surprised to see them, um, you know, beat Olympiacos twice and then pick up three points against Marseille. But um, you know, if you want another outside bet under six and a half Marseille points could be interesting as well. 1.95, given the fact that, um, as I've said, Olympiacos is a really difficult place to go travel. We don't see too much between those teams. Um, and, um, yeah, I can't see Marseille picking up too many points uh, away from home in particular. And then, obviously, they have to play Manchester City at home. And even if they win the other two matches, then they would probably still fall short of that 6.5. So, if I were to have a bet in this in this group, it would be um, under 6.5 Marseille points at 1.95. Yeah, definitely too many Olympics in there for me. I think the train just did <laughs> stitch me up, muddled, muddled goodness knows what up. But I think you were you were very straightforward there, Jake, and very articulate. So we'll we'll let the listeners take on board your analysis and just forget <laughs> what I said. Um, we'll get on to Group D: Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool, and Midtjylland. Um, not the group of death, but the group of throw-ins. I think this one and. Yeah, <laughs> a few of our listeners will know what we're on about. I think it's all four of them are, are Thomas Gronemark clients or clubs that he works with, and he's been involved with all of them, working his throw-in magic. Um, not surprising to see Liverpool as favourites to win the group. One point four five four. Um, going to be a real good battle for second here. I think uh, Atalanta and Ajax, and I mean Michelanda in there. They're, they're capable of causing an upset, maybe. And, and as we said about those permutations, that could have all sorts of knock-on effects. Um, it really does have the makings of a good group here, I think. What do you think about it? Um, I think it'll be a good group from a footballing standpoint. You've got three teams in particular, Liverpool, Atalanta and Ajax, who are very attack-minded. So I think we'll see plenty of goals. Don't know too much about Michelin. Um But, you know, they're deserving of their spot in this in this competition. I think they're going to have a really tough, um, tough couple of matches, though. Six games um, against these three teams. I think it will be competitive, but... I just think that Liverpool and Atalanta are by far and away the two best teams in this group. And I think that we'll see them both progress quite comfortably in the end. I think Ajax, they're not the team that got to the semi-finals in 18-19, uh, mainly due to player sales. Obviously, De Ligt, De Jong, uh, Van der Beek has now left as well. So they're, they're still, well, they're, they're a shadow of the former selves based on that. And um, I, I don't think that I don't think they're anywhere near the standard of Atalanta and Liverpool. I think Liverpool rightly going to run away with the league. There's actually value in backing Liverpool to win this um, this group if you want to at a shorter price. One point four five. We make them at seventy six percent chance of of winning the group, which is around odds of one point three two. So there's you know there's decent value in backing Liverpool to win the group at a short price. But um, yeah, I, I think Atalanta have been. I mean, they're you know the strong favourites to follow Liverpool, but I think they're being slightly underestimated in terms of how um, you know the, the the gap between Atalanta and Ajax, in my opinion, is is huge. I think I think Atalanta are 
one of the best teams in Europe, um, to put it simply. They were the best team in Serie A last season based on expected goals. They went all the way to the 90th minute in the Champions League quarterfinals, leading 1-0 against PSG. Uh, looked dead on the feet, to be fair to them, in the, in the final few minutes. But um, yeah, I think that I think Liverpool and Atalanta will pull well clear of these two teams. And, and I think looking at the at the prices available, I think that the points total, you've got Liverpool at 12.5, Atalanta at 9.5, Ajax at 7.5 and, and Midtjylland at 3.5. And, and I think I think looking at, I, I probably, I'm interested in taking Ajax under 7.5, uh, 2.11. I, I just think that the way that they play in particular is, is going to really suit Atalanta and Liverpool. And I can see both of those teams beating Ajax twice, in which case, um, Ajax wouldn't be able to make up that seven and a half. So yeah, for me that is a that looks a, a tasty price actually. Looking looking at it, uh, also Atalanta over nine and a half, but that's a shorter price, um, one point seven four. Yeah, my best bet in this is, is going to be Ajax under seven and a half at two point one one, just because I think that the gulf between Atalanta and Liverpool uh, and the other two teams in in the group is, is quite considerable. All right, then we're next we've got Group E, Chelsea, Krasnodar, Rennes and Sevilla. Um, probably one of the few groups where the, the actual winner isn't clear to start with. Chelsea and Sevilla are pretty close and the market has them at 2.25 and 2.40 respectively. Um, that obviously means it's going to be very difficult for, for Krasnodar and, and Rennes to get out of the group. Their odds of progressing are 4.67 for Krasnodar. 2.62 for Ren. I mean, that's still a, a 35% chance for them to do it. Um, I think the no option in the market is what we've got. Ren, 1.50 for Ren not to progress. Um, I mean, a tough one to call in terms of the group winner. Are you, are you looking elsewhere? Is it another one where potentially the, the team total points jumps out as a, as a value bet here? Um, no, we're going for a group winner. Um, I think if you remember back to last season, Chelsea... They found themselves in a group very similar to this that was quite quite wide open with with not a, a certain favourite. Lille, Ajax, and Valencia made up that group last season. This time around, it's Krasnodar, Ren, and Sevilla. But <clears throat> I think their their performances last season, in particular in the Champions League group stage, were were excellent. They finished with a, an expected goal difference of plus eight point eight, which was. Uh, around nine better than the, the second best team, which was actually Lille, who finished bottom of that group. So um, they were unfortunate not to win that group, and, and we think that they can win this group. Um, obviously, <laughs> it's early stages in the Premier League. What we've seen from them so far hasn't been um, eye-catching. I think there's still a lot of bedding in process that's uh, that's needed. Something that we discuss weekly on uh, on the Premier League betting podcast, and. I think that they will come good eventually and with the firepower it is really hard to see them not qualifying but I also think that in the head-to-head matches against Sevilla I think they'll have a slight edge I think they've got um, a little bit more quality in, in especially in attacking areas than, than Sevilla do I think Sevilla are probably more um, more organised defensively I expect both of those two teams to get through uh, we're giving Chelsea an 89% chance of qualifying Sevilla at 78% chance of qualifying so there is um, you know, we've got two clear favourites to progress. And, and like you said, the, the winner market, it's hard to split them in terms of um, the price, but we're making Chelsea strong favourites to actually win the group. We're giving them 55% chance of doing so. So odds on, meaning that the 2.25 is actually good value. And I know I said before that I like Sevilla to be a potential dark horse. That still stands. Um, I just think that in this group, 
over six matches. I think that they've got more capabilities of dropping points against um, you know Krasnodar and Ren than, than the likes of Chelsea. I'm thinking back to to their Europa League group last season in in uh, Sevilla, and I think they had a real struggle getting out of it. They didn't take to it too well. Um, I'm just trying to get it up now. They were they were very iffy, and I think that's due to the the, the sort of rotations that that they actually put in, um, in with the team team lineups. Um, yeah, they, they they had a really easy group and made um, difficult work of it. Um, before actually coming through the knockout rounds and again making difficult work of, of games against lesser teams that that do sit in and, and play a low block. I guess that's one of the benefits that they had towards the back end of last season in the Europa League, playing against teams like Manchester United and Inter Milan in particular, who take the game to Sevilla and Sevilla are more than capable of springing on you. So while they could beat Chelsea uh, in a one-off game or in both the matches, they, they are quite capable of, of dropping a few points to the likes of Ren and Krasnodar. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy to put Chelsea up as as a, as a value bet to win the group. Um, I think, especially if squad rotation is brought into it, um, Chelsea have got a much deeper and better squad than than I think Sevilla have. So, yeah, Chelsea will get it right eventually. I don't think there's any, um, you know, I don't think there's any doubts about that. The process last season was was too good for it just to drop off a cliff after a few signings. So. Um, yeah, and obviously they they know Ren quite well this season already, uh, having signed their goalkeeper, Edouard Mendy, who is a huge upgrade on Kepper, which is a huge positive, obviously, for Chelsea as well. Right, well, uh, up next is Group F, uh, Dortmund, Bruges, Lazio and Zenit. Um, I think this is one, I mean, obviously Dortmund are the, the standout team here, 1.787 to win the group. Um, but it is one where, where all four are probably in with a shout of qualifying, unlike some of the other groups we've got. Um, Dortmund, as it says, the favourites. Lazio are 4.21. Um, you've got Zenit at 5.72 and Bruges at 9.25. So, I mean, they're quite a big price, I guess, but it does show that it's pretty close when you look at some of the other odds for the groups. Um, yes, no option is probably very intriguing here as well. I mean, Dortmund is, is kind of a given, but Lazio to progress, yes, 1.74. Uh, Zenit 2.15 and, and Bruges 4.35. So outside of Dortmund, I mean, is that first and foremost, I guess, is there any value on, on the markets involving Dortmund here? And, and then outside of that, what are you looking at for the other teams in the group? Yeah, there is there is value in back in Dortmund to win this group, 1.787. We're making them 1.75 shots. So there's a small bit of value there in back in Dortmund. <clears throat> I think that they are the best team in the group. Um They've got the better individuals. Uh, I think they've got the better um, team as well overall. I think Lazio, second favourites, but I'm a little bit hesitant about them because their European form um, in, in recent seasons hasn't been very good at all. Um, think back to the you know the, these sorts of especially even though it's, it was the Europa League, they uh, they the countries like Italy, Spain um, probably take it a little bit more seriously the Europa League than than we do in in England, but. Lazio were really surprising to see them finish um, third in, in a Europa League group with Celtic finishing top, CFR Cluj finishing second. And, and that I think that was partly down to the fact that they the squad really isn't very deep. Um, and that is still the case this season. They haven't done anything to rectify that. So if there are any major injuries, I'm, I'm thinking around uh, Chiro Mobley, who is their captain and, and their talisman, really. If he, if he was to get injured, then that would really scupper their chances of finishing um, second or even you know third, third in this group, it is a really competitive group. Zenit 
can't be written off. They made a few um, really interesting signings, obviously bringing in Dejan Lovren from Liverpool. Um, they've got a couple of good players there already. I think Malcolm, who, who spent a very short time at Barcelona, he's at Zenit. Um, so they, they can't be written off in, in group stages. They're similar to Shakhtar, though. When it gets to the knockout rounds in, you know, in a normal season, then they do tend to uh, tend to struggle as the, the later rounds do progress, just purely because of their domestic season. Um, being in, in a winter break, Club Bruges, we think they are the weakest team in the group, but we don't think that there's too much um, between the likes of Bruges, Zenit and Lazio, which is what the, the market suggests. So we're pretty much in, in agreement with that. Um, I think they, they were in a, a really tough group last season where Bruges in the Champions League alongside Real Madrid and, uh, and Paris Saint-Germain. Um, but I think they did pick up a couple of notable results. Um, so they can't be written off going to the, the, the better teams. They, they went and drew at the Bernabeu, um, which was obviously a massive result for them. But they, I don't think that any of the teams in this current group uh, are of the standard of PSG and Real Madrid. I think that uh, Dortmund, who are the best team in the group, are you know level below that. So it, you know, expecting this to be quite competitive, but I just think that I think Bruges in particular could struggle, even though that we we think that they are quite closely rated. I think they could struggle, especially away from home. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at this, at the points prices again, and um, under six and a half points for for Bruges, uh, just over even money, does look quite tasty to me. Um, I think Zenit could well finish second in this group. Lazio were um, quite a naive football team. They showed that towards the back end of last season in Serie A, they, they fell away, and obviously leading or, or with Juventus for long stretches of last season. Uh, when the going got tough, they just sort of disappeared and, and ultimately finished fourth. So I'm not too sure how they'll deal in in this group with what is quite a competitive group, and and you know there is going to be quite a bit of expectation for Lazio to actually get out of this group. So yeah, my my preference would probably be for the under six and a half and the Bruges points, but. I'm looking at Zenit's price to qualify. Um, I think they could be quite. They could have been underestimated a little bit here, and uh, the two point one five that does make a little bit of appeal. Um, the Infocom model suggested it isn't too much value there, but there isn't value in backing Lazio to qualify either at a short price at one point seven. So um, yeah, if I, if I was to have a, a value bet, it would be on Bruges under six and a half points, but I would be siding with Zenit and uh, over Lazio if there was a match bet. All right, we'll get on to our, our last two groups. And this is one that, unfortunately, at the time of recording, I kind of mentioned earlier about the work that goes in on behalf of the traders to get all these kind of markets up and the, the thought process that they've got to get through. And, and unfortunately, they couldn't quite get them up in time for us to record. But I mean, we obviously know the teams that are in them. We can we can talk about what we think might happen. And then obviously, when those markets are available, it, it could be that the value bets kind of present themselves. Um, but Group G, we're at Barcelona, Dynamo Kiev, our favourite team to pronounce, Ferenc Varossi, Ferenc Varos, whatever you want to call them, um, and Juventus. So you've got you've got in here two of the teams that we said about ageing squads. They're kind of in a similar situation, Barcelona and Juventus. I mean, it's it's obviously very difficult to, to look at the other two teams and think that they could progress out of this group. Um, it's probably going to be a straight shootout for them to win the group, Barcelona and Juventus. Um, what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, this is fascinating for quite a few reasons. As you mentioned, the two teams who are ageing in terms of um, squad profile. Uh, also got Lionel Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo, which is something that 
we used to get yearly, um, twice yearly in the league, but it's something that's a rare occurrence nowadays. Um, nice to see them face off against each other uh, as well. But yeah, it, you know, they, they couldn't have asked for a better draw, really, the pair of them. Um, the two teams that have struggled quite considerably um, over the last couple of years in European competitions, especially, but um, domestically, they've not been at the best. And, you know, to, to have Dinamo Kiev and Ferenc Varossi as your other two teams in the group, it's almost guaranteeing them qualifying, um, which is, you know, not something that could have been said if they'd have been drawn with, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another team that was in pot three. Um, like Ajax might have made things more difficult, for example. Um, or Borussia Mönchengladbach or, or Shakhtar, whoever was in group three. Um, so, they, yeah, they, they couldn't have asked for a nicer draw. Obviously, you get huge benefits of, of um, finishing first in the group, the fact that you get the, the home leg second. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating duel between Juventus and Barcelona. And, and I think that the fact that they play game week two and game week four, um, or sorry, game week two and game week five, so they don't actually play in the back-to-back, I think that does play into their favour, really, because... They can get points on the board in game week one um, and game week three and four. They should be able to rack up points and they'd probably already be qualified by the time they play a second time in game week five, uh, which sort of takes the pressure off really in terms of, um, you know, if there was, a, like I said, a, a more difficult third team in the group, then there'd be a bit more pressure on. But the, the two teams should qualify quite comfortably. I think um, Ferenc Varossi, rank outsiders, Dinamo Kiev, we're giving them just a 22.5% chance of progressing. Barca at 82%, Juventus at 90%. So we, we only see the, the two big teams, um, you know, the household names progressing. But, you know, when the market does come up, it will be interesting to see who is favourites to, to win the group. We've got Juventus as, as quite strong favourites, actually, to, to win Group G. We're giving them a 58.2% chance of doing so, odds of around 1.72. So anything... Above that is is a value bet in particular, um, and yeah, in terms of a point spread, the you know like I've said, I'm expecting both Juventus and Barcelona to beat Kiev and Ferenc Barossi twice, which would yield twelve points straight away. So if there you know if the over is eleven point five, then I would definitely be looking at taking that for either or both of those teams. Um, not seeing too much competition from Kiev or Ferenc Barossi. Um, Barcelona in particular, they, they did impress in last season's group stage. They had a really tough draw with Inter Milan and Dortmund and then came through that with flying colours, really topping that group with um, you know being able to rest players in the final match. Juve did something similar, I guess, against uh, Atletico Madrid and, and Bayer Leverkusen. And uh, they have got the the players to, to be able to just brush these teams aside, these, these Kiev and, and Frank Barossi. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's such a competitive group between the two of them in terms of who's going to win it, but not really competitive as to who's going to qualify. Right, and last but not least, we've got Group H, and I kind of joked earlier about the the group of death with with Liverpool, Atalanta, and Ajax and stuff in it. I think this is probably the group to look at and think one big team isn't isn't going to make it out of the group stage. Um, it's not Istanbul, Basakashir. Uh, sorry if I've butchered that to any fans of that club, but obviously the the big three in this one we've got Manchester United, PSG, and Leipzig. Leipzig did very well last year. They they've developed and got better and better as the years have gone on. PSG always there or thereabouts. Manchester United obviously wasn't so long ago that they had that um, kind of contentious win against PSG in the knockout stages. 
Um, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate that the odds aren't up because this has got to be a real interesting one in terms of odds to win the group, odds to progress, and even the the points totals for the groups because any one of those three sides, Manchester United, PSG and Leipzig, could beat each other on their day. Um, I guess it's, who do you think is winning the group? Who do you think is progressing? And, and maybe why do you think that third team are going to miss out out of those two top top elite teams? Fascinating group, this one. Um, in terms of winning the group, we make PSG really strong favourites to actually do that. Uh, we're giving them a 66% chance of winning the group. Equates to odds of around 1.51. We make them comfortably clear of, of United, Leipzig and Basak Shahir. I think that you know they were they were so good last season in the Champions League. The, the process was fantastic. Two point three expected goals for per game, one point one expected goals against per game. They obviously hammered Leipzig in the semi final three nil. So they've got that head to head notch on the record. Uh, and yeah, I'm expecting them to qualify quite comfortably. They've got much more quality um, in area every area of the pitch, really, in my opinion, um, to both of the challenges, United and Leipzig especially in attacking areas. I mean, that front line can tear anyone up on the day. And I think that they, given the way that we've seen Man United defending, they'll be very worried at Old Trafford um, about facing this PSG team. And I think I think they actually play each other in the first match as well. Um, so that'd be a really good gauge to see. Yeah, they do. It's in Paris. Paris Saint-Germain uh, versus Manchester United is the, is the opening game in, in this group. So it'd be really interesting to see sort of where Man United are at, really. Um this game, or that first game, comes just days after they play another Premier League match. Obviously, we know they've been so bad in the Premier League um, this season, gaining um, you know quite a lot of criticism from ex-players, rightly so, really, based on their performances. But unless anything changes, really, from now to to that pre- that game in Paris, that Paris Saint Germain could put eight on them. Um, United defending that badly, so. It really is going to be interesting. I think that game in particular will set the tone for the group. If United can go there, somehow get a point, um, you know that, that that would fill them with confidence. And I think that any points that you can take off PSG would be huge in this group. And likewise, if you drop any points to Basak Shahir, I think that you know that's going to bode really poorly um, in terms of qualifying from this group. They, I think, if you are to have any chance, United or Leipzig. They're going to have to beat Basak Shahir twice uh, to pick up six points and then probably take a couple of points off PSG um, or maybe a, a point off PSG along with a head-to-head win. So, um, yeah, we, we're rating Man United and Leipzig very closely. Uh, we're giving the edge to United, slight edge to United. Um, I think, like I said, I, I've, I've talked about the Premier League games that they've conceded nearly 2.9 expected goals against per game in their three matches in the league so far have Man United. Um, What we saw from them at the back end of last season was excellent. 0.8 expected goals against per game in the Premier League post-break is what they averaged. So we know that they're capable of that. They're just having a real difficult time of, of, of getting close to that again this time around. But at some point in the season, we're expecting them to get back to those levels. Um, So... We are making them second favourites to progress. We're giving them a 56.4% chance of actually um, getting out of the group. Um, Leipzig at 40, 40.6%. And, you know, I do think that, I think the Infocom model is probably rating Man United a little bit too higher than, than, than Leipzig. I think that should be even closer. I think Leipzig are probably always going to get underrated in, in this group in particular, just Based on the fact that people are looking at their at the squad and they probably don't recognise any of the players, um, 
you know, obviously Timo Werner left and, and they were left in a bit of a hole. But let's not forget how comfortably they beat Atletico Madrid without Werner in, in the knockout rounds. Um, and, you know, they've started the Bundesliga campaign in extremely impressive fashion. I think they've, they've won two of uh, and drawn one against uh, Leverkusen away from home. No shame in that so far, top of the Bundesliga. So I do think that the Infocom model is potentially rating Man United a little bit too strongly in, in this uh, to qualify market, and it will be interesting to see what the obviously what the market is suggesting when it is priced up. Uh, if you can get Leipzig over nine and a half points, I think I'd be interested in that. I think they can beat Manchester here twice at least, and and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went unbeaten against Manchester United. I think that. Uh, while they're on paper players are inferior to United I think the main thing that Leipzig have got going for them is the coach I think Julian Nagelsmann is, is by far and away a better coach than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer even if Man United have potentially got the better players so um, yeah it's really interesting group we're not giving Basakshir here much of a chance 13.1% chance of, of progressing um, but they too shouldn't really be under, underestimated they were um, Turkish champions last season they won the the, the Turkish league quite impressively and, and they had a decent run in the Europa League themselves. I think they got all the way to the quarter-final stage. So they're, you know, they're, they're pretty well, used to, to European football at this point. They won, they actually topped, um, just flicking back now, they actually topped a really tricky group in the Europa League last season. They they, they were in with Roma um, and Borussia Mönchengladbach and they actually came top of that group, which shows that, that perhaps they... You know, we, perhaps we're writing them off a little bit too soon. Although this is much of a much more of a step up, obviously. But um, yeah, I think whatever happens, really, it is crucial for United and Leipzig to beat Basakshir here um, on both occasions that they meet because I can't see PSG dropping too many points. Um, and you know, if it's going to come down to the head-to-head record. It's going to make it exciting, but it's going to be tense. Well, not only can he distinguish between his different Olympics, his pronunciation of Turkish soccer teams is also spot on. You've you trumped me on both counts, Jake. <laughs> Years of practice, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Just me in a mirror. Basak Shahir. <laughs> that is, uh, that's it for our groups. And I think we'll have to call it a day there. Great insight as always, Jake. Thanks for coming on and, and helping the listeners find value in Pinnacle's Champions League markets. Oh, absolute pleasure, yeah. It's a fantastic competition and it is really intriguing this year with some really interesting groups. And thank you to everyone for listening. Of course, you can visit infogold.net, follow at Infogold app on Twitter and download the app on iOS and Android if you want to take your own analysis a little bit further. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter at Pinnacle you can also check out the betting resources section of our website and subscribe to the Pinnacle podcast for even more ways to empower your betting we'll be back soon for another installment of Champions League betting blueprint but until then best of luck with your bets and please gamble responsibly